about to share with you the business mistakes that kill the American dream. I'm going to give you the three reasons that businesses that earn under $38.5 million a year will typically fail according to the statistics. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Now, a business under $38 million or $38.5 million is classed as a small business, and there are 500,000 small businesses in America that shut down every single year due to these common business mistakes. And what blows me away is how few business owners, even those that are earning $20 million, $30 million a year, don't know them and don't know how to stop them. And I think you'll recognize that this is something that every single business owner should know exactly what they are and how to stop them. Now, I used to run a business out of a uh, out of a factory in Africa and uh, I had a business partner. My business partner owned the factory and we used to uh, run the business between us 50-50. So I would design the goods, I handled the sales and the marketing and he provided the employees and the factory and he handled the money, which is very important. I need you to remember that as I take you through this scenario. Uh, what we used to do is we used to make movie props. Um, very specifically, we made swords. So we would make swords for documentaries, for movies um, and some of the swords I've made, uh, you may have seen. Now I made the background movie prop sword. So these were made out of rubber. So what you'll often find is like in a big movie like Lord of the Rings, the hero swords is what they call them that are at the front of the movie are all metal and uh, the people fighting against them are using metal swords. All the swords in the background are made out of rubber. So, you know, a stunt person or an extra doesn't accidentally kill, you know, orc number 212 for real, right? So we made rubber swords. Um, and so I've made stuff for like Gladiator, Lord of the Rings and a whole bunch of, of other movies as like sample props and what have you. Um, but um, I used to be a professional sword fighter. I used to love sword fighting. In fact, uh, I was a competitive fencer. Um, at one point, I was ranked number three in London. Um, I was ranked number one in KwaZulu-Natal, which was a, a place uh, in South Africa where the factory was based. Um, and I used to be ranked number six in all of South Africa. So they're my, my accolades, uh, international competitive fencer. Um, and uh, I was pretty damn good at it. And one day, an employee saw me testing the balance of a sword. You know, I'm like holding the sword and I'm like playing around with it. And uh, he comes up to me and he's like, how do you know how to do this? I'm like, what do you mean, how do I know how to do it? And he goes, how do you know how to how to stick fight? I was like, you mean sword fight? I was like, I'm a champion where I come from. And he goes, no, not sword fight, stick fight. Um, because I was actually holding a carbon fiber rod, which is the core, the, the center part of the sword. Um, to give you an idea of what a carbon fiber rod is like, if you've ever gone white water rafting, a carbon fiber rod is the kind of rod that they would use for white water rafting. So it's a very resilient, very tough uh, you know, piece of material. And, uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, you got me there. It is a stick. And uh, I was like, but I am a, I'm a champion. And he goes, I too am a champion. Would you like to fight me? Now, I am not one to back down from a fight. You know, if you, if you ever meet my, uh, my partner, you she'll, she'll confirm. And so I was like, hell yeah, I'll have a fight with you. Let's do it. And so he goes, okay. And so we go outside and we've both got these carbon fiber rods and we're about to go and have a fight. And all of the factory workers leave the factory and come outside with us. And I'm like, this is a bit weird, but we get completely surrounded by them. And as we're about to fight, the factory workers start chanting. It's like, Vuga shaka, vuga shaka, vuga shaka. Which, by the way, in uh, Zulu, which is what they're speaking, they are summoning King Shaka. Now, I don't know about you, I've never seen a friendly fight where all your friends turn up and start summoning the spirit of a dead king into the enemy, you know? So I feel like this is a little bit one-sided, but whatever, I'm going to go for it anyway. So, you know, he's got a dead king being, you know, uh, instilling inside his body, and I'm just there. And he comes towards me, and I go, tap. 
because fencing is a game about light touches. You just like tap somebody and you go, ha ha, I get hit. And he whacks me in the leg and my leg caves away and I collapse. And I'm like, oh, we're not playing. Like this guy, this guy means business. This is real right now. And so I'm like, well, this is, this is rough. So he comes at me again. This time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to mess him up. So as he comes in, I whack his head and I whack his leg in the same point. I hit him really hard. And because I hit his head first, he didn't see it coming. He comes in a second time. I do the same thing again. And then the third time he comes in, I go to whack his leg. He flinches. I whack him on the head again and then whack him on the head a second time, third time on the leg. And then finally I do one of my favorite fencing moves, which is essentially a thrust, but I used to be so accurate that I could hit uh, a quarter. And so I thrusted straight in his forehead. And what it does is like compresses the spine, you know? And so he collapsed down on the ground and was kind of dazed and you know the, the the Zulus that were surrounding us like hailed me as the champion and I felt pretty damn good and so I, uh, I go back upstairs to the factory and I'm back you know playing with the sword when my partner comes in he's screaming he's like, Adam what are you doing and I was like what do you mean what am I doing I'm just hanging out and he goes did you stick fight one of the workers and I look at him I'm like yeah yeah I did I did do that and he goes never stick fight with the workers I was like dude what's the problem he goes did you even know you were fighting for ownership of the factory. And I'm like, oh, no, I did not know that. I did not know that's what's going on. You see, because I didn't know the rules, right? I didn't understand. I mean, in fairness, they were spoken to me in Zulu, which, you know, while I do speak a little bit of Zulu, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, can Adam really speak Zulu? I'll just uh, show you a little bit. That's right. I can click in the middle of my words. Um, and so I'm uh, on uh, So yeah, I got a few words. I used to speak it a lot better when I lived in Africa, not anymore. Um, but I did not understand enough to know that I was fighting for ownership of the factory. And he's like, you never, ever fight uh, against the African workers uh, in, in stick fighting. And I was like, well, you're missing the most important point. He goes, what's that? I won. And he goes, yeah, you did win, but you didn't know the rules. And I find this analogy actually works really well for a lot of business owners because whether your business is succeeding or failing, you probably still don't know the rules. And that is a massive issue. A lot of people, because they're winning and they're having a lot of successes, they don't bother learning the rules. And the people are failing are just like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And they never think, what should I have done? What rules did I miss? And then if you're having successes and you don't know why you're winning and you don't know what's at stake, when something goes wrong and you don't know the rules, how do you know you're going to fix it? So um, likewise, the company that I was running with my business partner was making like 50,000 euros a month back then. That's a lot of money, but I was only paid 1,000 euros a month. And uh, I was told that the company was running at a loss. Now, looking back and knowing what I know about business, I realized um, that something was probably going on there. And while I trusted this guy with the money, um, I didn't actually know the rules to business. I didn't map out that partnership correctly. I had no visibility about where the money was being spent. And maybe it was being spent fairly, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. All I knew was that 50,000 euros a month were coming in, I was getting paid a thousand, and I quit because, you know, it wasn't doing anything for me, it wasn't going anywhere. And I ended up walking away with absolutely nothing. So the reason is, not only did I not know the rules to the sword fight, I didn't know the rules to business. And ultimately, the takeaway I want you to get is if you're going to do something seriously in life, whatever it is, whether it's running a business or fighting for ownership of a factory, you've got to know the rules, okay? So what I want to ask you is, do you know how many small businesses there are in America? Now, if you're a business owner in America, this is something you should know because they're all your competition. Even if they're in a different industry, they're vying for the same amount of American dollars that only so many people have, right? So you really cannot put yourself in a situation where you don't know how much competition there is. Uh, there is 31 million businesses in America. In fact, 31.7 million businesses in America. But the question I want to ask you is, how many of those are likely to fail? 
Now, we've already spoken about the fact that uh, half a million businesses uh, get shut down every single year in America. But what percentage of the 31.7 million businesses do you believe are going to fail? The answer, according to the data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, it is 66% will fail within a few years. That means two out of every three businesses is doomed to fail. So I want you to think right now, uh, maybe pull out a pen and paper and write down your name and then write down the name of two other businesses that you know. So we're going to put your name on a piece of paper, right? So it'd be for me, it would be Adam Lyons and then two other businesses. And then ask yourself of the three businesses you just wrote down, which two are going to fail? That can be a pretty shocking statistic, something pretty scary for you to have to deal with. Um, if you have two friends that are business owners, like, you know, which one of you is the one that's going to survive? It's pretty scary. Um, if you had to fight, you know, maybe have a sword fight uh, for the chance to be the winner, would it be you? Of course, in real business, it's not going to be a sword fight. It's going to be a business fight. And do you know the rules to the game well enough that you'll be the winner? Because I promise you that out of every three business owners, nine times out of ten, uh, it's the one that survives is the one that knows the rules. And uh, the big rule is, of course, do you know why companies fail? Because you've just learned that two thirds of companies fail. But do you know why? Because if you don't know why, how are you going to stop that from happening to yourself? A better question might be, do you know the rules to the game of business that you're currently playing? Because if you don't know the mistakes, you don't know the rules, and the chances are that you're going to fail and you're going to be in big trouble. So, have a think just for a second and ask yourself, what are the three main reasons companies fail? I can tell you now that when I stood in front of about a thousand people the last time I gave this talk, um, I think only a couple of them managed to guess even one of them correctly. Most of the business owners in there, and these were million dollar business owners, people that were doing seven figures or more a year, could not get all three. Very few people could even get one. So I'm going to tell you the biggest reasons. 42% um, it's because they have products that have no real demand. Okay, so 42% of the time a business fails, it's because the products no one really wants. 29% of the time a business fails, it's because they have cash flow issues. Okay, so they're not generating enough money and they're spending more than they're generating. And 23% of the time, it's because they don't attract the right talent. Now, um, obviously there are other reasons as well, but these three things are going to be the three biggest reasons, um, according to the data that I found uh, from, uh, this is actually from CB Insights and Lending Tree. But what if I told you that there are rules to the game of business that you're currently playing, and if you bothered to take the time to learn them and follow them, then you have a much higher chance of building a business that is designed to succeed. So I think the best way to start a business is to begin by learning the rules of the game. And I can think of no better place to start than learning the three biggest mistakes that kill the American dream. So if you're interested in learning what these are, stay tuned and watch this video because I am going to break it down so you can avoid them in your own business or maybe help your friends avoid it in their business. Um, and let's start with the thing that kills almost half of every single business in the world, which is the 42% reason where people have products that have no real demand. You should never build a business based on an idea on something that you want to sell. It's a decision that you should never make alone because just because you want to sell it doesn't mean that somebody else wants to buy it. Look, you may have a dream to create the newest theme park like Disney World, right? Or maybe you've got a dream to create the best training program for athletes. You might have a dream to create the best cake decorating company in the world. Or you may have no idea what you want to be doing at all. But unless you have an audience of potential customers to get it started, your business is going to fail. 
it's almost always better off to start with a business that you've actually got at hand that you can get going and sell something that people want. And then you can take the money that you've built and turn it into something that you actually want to be doing. For example, the fastest way to build a theme park might be like run a Halloween experience for a local community as a regular event. Or the fastest way to create a training program for athletes might be to just help young athletes at a local middle school first. Or the fastest way to creating the best cake decorating company in the world might be to run cake decorating parties for local communities and family members. And if you have absolutely no idea what you want to do, you're like, I don't know how to start a business or I don't know what business to start, then you might be better off starting a business that is needed that nobody else wants to do as they often make the most money and they give you time to think about what you actually want to do. For example, a cleaning service at an apartment complex. So here's what happened. I had a really good friend of mine. He moved into an apartment complex and there were uh, 200 apartments inside this apartment complex, uh, give or take. And um, he couldn't find a good cleaning service. And every time he was in the elevator talking to other people in the elevator, uh, they were all talking about the fact that um, they couldn't find a good, uh, a good cleaner. And so my buddy went out and he found a guy who was trying to build a cleaning business on Craigslist, I think. And he said to him, listen, if you come and clean my apartment the way that I want it done, I would enter into a business with you where we can really scale what you're doing. So this guy who you know says, okay, sure, I'll come in. And so my buddy teaches him how to clean his apartment in full. He teaches him everything he wants, white glove treatment, just makes the thing absolutely phenomenal. So uh, this guy is like, wow, I, you know, I, I love this. Thank you so much for teaching me. And he becomes his cleaner for a month. He cleans it once a week, every single week, makes the apartment look great. At the end of it, he then uh, goes to other people in the apartment complex and says, I found a guy and the guy that, uh, that I found is really good. Would you be interested in using my guy? And he essentially sells this guy's cleaning service to every single apartment inside the apartment complex. First of all, not only was the money generated enough to, uh, to pay his rent to live in this apartment complex, it was so much money, it was enough for him to invest in other properties that he was buying based off the fact that this cleaner was cleaning 200 apartments. Now, I know you're thinking one guy probably too difficult to clean 200 apartments, and you're not wrong. Uh, what he had to do is that guy ended up having to bring some staff in that he trained how to do it. But this is a great example of a very simple business that almost anybody could build. Um, and you think about people that live in like, a, you know, pretty big apartment complexes, that's so many opportunities there to just get talking to people that are there through the apartment complex, through the internal email systems that they have, um, you know, through the bulletin boards and sell an internal cleaning service that as long as you've, you know, done the duty to make sure it's a good service, people are going to want it. And that can generate enough money to pay off your rent um, or even to maybe get you a second apartment or, you know, buy something, right? What a great business model. The smart way to build a business is to use market research to identify the greatest need your largest audience has, and then use that to develop a product that people want. I'm going to say this again because this is worth quoting. The smart way to build a business is to use market research to identify the greatest need your largest audience has. Even if that largest audience is just the apartment complex you live in, then use that to develop a product that people actually want. Then you can use the profit from that business to build something bigger and better using the same concept, but now with funding to do something better. This is the system that we teach inside our smart blueprint and how I've built multiple seven-figure companies myself. Now, 
uh, we're going to move on to the next point now, but I hope you realize the value of thinking in that way because now you're going to have a business that actually makes money that people truly want and you've got some cash flow to be able to do something else. We're going to talk about the reason that kills 29% of small businesses in America and that is cash flow issues. So cash flow issues are actually a simple one to fix and in order to understand it, I want you to think about two different scenarios. Now this is really going to help if you pull out a paper and pen and keep track of this in front of you because we are going to deal with some numbers. I want you to imagine that we have Fred and Sam. So family business Fred has a company selling lawn care for $200 a home and Smart Blueprint Sam has the same service in a different town. Now $200 a home kind of makes sense if you think about it, about 50 bucks a week in order to mow the lawn of somebody's home. Um, it's kind of the price that people do or maybe a hundred bucks every other week depending on how it works. And what we're going to do is we're going to imagine that these two towns are very, very similar. Um, and of course, because homeowners associations often have a requirement that people do maintain their lawn, this is actually kind of a believable thing. They both charge $200 a month per house for lawn care, and they both have 30 customers, which works out to one lawn per day. This is something very manageable that I think anybody could do, right? You go to a house, you mow the lawn, that's your work for the day, uh, you make 50 bucks that day. You do that every single uh, every single day, 30 days a month, um, and you make your money. That totals up to $6,000 a month, by the way. Of course, you get no days off if you're doing it every day, but you could do two lawns in a single day and get your weekends off. Um, so $6,000 a month for having 30 customers, 30 houses, you can find that in a single street. This is a very believable small business that somebody could start. But family business Fred relies purely on word of mouth. Smart Blueprint Sam follows the Smart Blueprint. It takes two hours to mow a lawn. I feel it's like one of those math puzzles that you get at school, right? But bear with me, trust me, it's worth it. This is a good one. Um, family business Fred works for 15 hours a week, approximately 30 lawns a month. And Smart Blueprint Sam does exactly the same, right? So with the numbers so far. Family business Fred does what every family business owner does. They keep all the money. Smart Blueprint Sam uses the Smart Blueprint. So as we break it down, um, the Smart Blueprint is a little bit different. Rather than keeping all the money, one half of the money is put aside for ads, sales, and marketing. So 50% of that money. One sixth of that money is put aside for staffing. Another sixth is put aside for costs. And another sixth is put aside for profit. If we use the numbers, that means that out of the $6,000 a month that Smart Blueprint Sam gets, rather than keeping it all, Smart Blueprint Sam spends $3,000 on ad sales and marketing, which is enough, by the way, to hire an, a local advertising agency and pay for advertising to do the ads. Um, $3,000 a month would be enough for a billboard. $3,000 a month would be enough to have ads running in three different movie theaters because they typically cost about uh, $1,500 or $750, depending on where you go, right? So you could potentially get uh, three, uh, three uh, movie movie theater adverts going on. Um, he has $1,000 for stuff, uh, which he pays himself. He has $1,000 for costs, which Sam has accountants, payroll and equipment repair. That's important. Sam's actually got money put aside for equipment repair. And Sam's got $1,000 to pay themselves as an owner. So now you've got the numbers, let's look at what happens at the end of month one. So after the first 30 days and 30 customers, Family Business Fred has $6,000. Pretty good. Smart Blueprint Sam has made $2,000 because he gave himself $1,000 for being a staff member and $1,000 as the owner and gains 10 new clients because of the $3,000 ad budget. As we move into month two, Family Business Fred is still waiting for some referrals, but Smart Blueprint Sam um, has got those 10 new customers. So that means that Family Business Fred makes $6,000, but this time Smart Blueprint Sam makes $2,667 and has 12 new clients because the ad budget is even larger. As we get into month three, Family Business Fred still makes $6,000. You know, hopefully those referrals will turn up at some point soon. But Smart Blueprint Sam is now making 
$3,467 as a combination of the only staff member and a business owner and gains 18 new clients thanks to an even bigger ad budget. As we move into month four, smart, uh, family business Fred makes $6,000 again, but Sam now gets $4,667 and 20 new clients. Notice that the clients keep getting bigger and bigger because um, you know he's got an ad budget. As we go to month five, Smart Blueprint Sam will now make $6,000 a month purely as a staff member and business owner. Five months from the start, and Smart Blueprint Sam now makes as much as Family Business Fred, except Smart Blueprint Sam is structured to be a much bigger and better business. Family Business Fred is only working 15 hours a week, and Smart Blueprint Sam, with 90 clients, which is how many they now have, has a workload of 45 hours a week, which actually is just a full-time job, right? If you think about it. So Smart Blueprint Sam now makes the same as Fred, but you could argue, yeah, but Fred's got it better. Fred doesn't have to work as much. Well, let's just talk about that, because at this point, Smart Blueprint Sam does something really smart. Smart Blueprint Sam is now going to shift the financials of what they're doing. Instead of spending half on ad sales and marketing, because they're now spending so much on ads and sales and marketing, and they don't really want to grow as much as they were doing, um, they've decided to scale it back. They've broken the numbers down into four simple buckets. One quarter is now for ad sales and marketing. One quarter is for staff, which now goes to the new employee, Eric. One quarter goes to costs and one quarter is profit, which is all for Smart Blueprint Sam. So let's look at the numbers. At 90 clients at $200 a month without having to change any of the pricing, we have $18,000 in gross revenue a month. That means uh, 25%, which is $4,500 is ads and marketing, which is still 50% more than the initial budget that would bring in 10 new clients a month. So we can pretty much assume there'll be 15 new clients a month, give or take, which is still a consistent amount of growth happening uh, every three months uh, growing the business by 50%. That's significant. Um, we have $4,500 that goes to staff, which is employee Eric. Um, employee Eric makes four and a half grand a month mowing lawns for 45 hours a week. Not that bad. That's a pretty good wage. And in fact, it's almost as much as family business Fred, except employee Eric has, you know, guaranteed income um, and maybe even health benefits. Who knows? Uh, $4,500 goes towards costs, which is accounting, taxes, lawyers, paperwork, equipment, and of course, employee Eric and Smart Blueprint Sam's health insurance, which comes out of costs. And lastly, that leaves $4,500 all for Smart Blueprint Sam. And how many hours does Smart Blueprint Sam now work? That's right, Smart Blueprint Sam is now pretty much retired. Um, as the company continues to grow, Smart Blueprint Sam needs to hire new staff members like you know, great employee Eric um, as the company continues to scale. And every time he adds on a new employee, just makes more money time and time again. Now, this is just one way to handle cash flow, but now let's look at the real issue. Um, what if family business Fred suffers an injury which completely kills their ability to work or generate cash flow for a while? Um, that's going to completely impact their ability to make money. And of course, if they don't do lawn care to the houses, the people in those houses are probably going to go to Smart Blueprint Sam because it's a much more reliable service as Smart Blueprint Sam can always call another employee to cover if one of his employees is sick. Smart Blueprint Sam has a stronger cash flow model and has built a business that is designed to last, which brings us to the last mistake that business owners make. So as you can see, Sam works a system, but Fred's system works him. That's from my buddy Pierre said that, was a good quote. All right, this brings us to the last mistake that business owners make. 23% uh, of businesses fail because they don't attract the right talent. Now, Smart Blueprint Sam isn't an advertising expert. Smart Blueprint Sam isn't an accountant and is in deep trouble if employee Eric does a bad job because Smart Blueprint Sam's gonna have to do the work. Attracting the right talent actually comes down to just four things. Pay, a hiring and firing system, a culture match, and killer referrals. 
Now, if you do this, you can find your pack. See what I did there? Anyone who knows me. Pay, a hiring and firing system, A. C, culture Mac, uh, match, K, killer referrals, pack. Get it? You get your pack, the pack you ride with. Guys, come on, this is good. This is, if, if no one's giving me credit here, I feel bad. All right, whatever. All right, so uh, do this and find your pack. All right, so number one, pay. When it comes to pay, you gotta be competitive. Too many people are trying to build a business being like, I'm gonna get the cheapest employee I can. If you get the cheapest employee you can, guess what? You end up with the cheapest employee, which means the cheapest amount of work, the cheapest amount of service, it's no good, okay? You gotta be competitive on the pay. You wanna pay enough that people leave their job to come to you so you get the good talent because it's the good employees that are gonna leave and go for better pay, right? Next, I would strongly recommend an annual pay rise of about 5% a year as standard. This is kind of regarded as the standard or the gold standard in pay rises. This shouldn't be they get 5% if they do a good job. It's very simple. Their job was either bad enough that you fired them or it was good enough that they get 5%. That's kind of how it is. It isn't like, well, you were kind of okay, so I'm gonna you know, not give you a pay rise, but you keep your job. That's not how it is. They're either bad enough that you get rid of them or good enough that you give them 5%. If they can rely on 5% uh, improvement every single year, that's the kind of thing that's gonna make them stay on. That's less training time for you, more loyal customers, and ultimately everyone's great. Next, a generous holiday system. Now, yes, I'm aware I'm a British guy living in America, but America, you've got your holiday system wrong. I always explain it like this, and this isn't just for employees, this is just for you. It's a great story about a carpenter, uh, sorry, a woodsman, and it's really important to listen to it. This guy is like the number one lumberjack in like all of town, right? He's got his ax and he can cut down more trees than anybody else. So this uh, this foreman of this lumberjack yard goes to him and says, I want you to work for my company. The average guy cuts down 10 trees a week. How many can you do? Or 10, 10 trees a day. And he goes, I can do 12 a day. And he's like, great, we'll hire you. So they hire him. And sure enough, day one, this guy cuts down 12 trees. Everyone else is doing 10. And as day two goes on, this guy's just destroying everyone. By the time we're in week two, however, um, the guy's down to only cutting 10 trees a day, same as everyone else. And the foreman's a bit worried that the guy isn't working as hard. So he goes to see him, and the guy's like puffing, he's out of breath, and the foreman says, what's going on? He's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm working as hard as ever, boss. I just, I'm just, I don't know, I'm cutting down less trees. And the foreman's like, okay, well, you know, just, just keep going, I'm sure you got it. A week later, um, everyone's doing, you know, 10, 10 trees a day, except the new guy, who's gone from 12 to eight. And the foreman pulls him to one side, he's like, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. And the foreman says, let me have a look at your ax. And he looks at the ax, and it is blunt and beaten up. And he goes, dude, do you ever sharpen your ax? And he's like, well, no, I'm too busy cutting down trees. I don't have time to sharpen my axe. And he's like, listen, take some time. Take a couple of hours. Just sharpen the axe. And you're going to see that it's a little bit easier. So sure enough, the guy sharpens the axe. And of course, he's back to 12 trees a day. And the foreman says to him, look, sometimes I know you want to outperform everyone. But sometimes outperforming everyone is making sure you take the time to rest. And this is so key when it comes to running a business, being an employee. But like, I'm, I'm the same. You have to take rest or you're going to burn yourself out. And you're not actually going to be as efficient. And you feel like you're working, but you're not. And for some people, a rest is meditating once a day. For some people, it's the gym. For some people, it's just getting a good night's sleep. For other people, they get their rest from, you know, hanging out with other people. Who knows? However you get your rest, but sharpen your axe. You've got to do it. And your employees need to sharpen their axe too. When you give employees generous holiday, they're going to come back to work rested. And imagine how someone going to steal your best employee when you're offering, you know, a great amount of vacation a year and they're not. In our company, to show you how serious we are, we offer five weeks holiday pay to our employees. Five weeks. I can't think of another company in America that offers that. Um, and we always give people off the time between Christmas and New Year, um, except for those that work in the retail store, because unfortunately that's uh, the busy time. But we make sure people take that week off um, and five weeks off a year specifically so that they can spend time with the family, they can recharge so that they enjoy coming back to work. 
Um, and then of course, uh, the last thing is medical. You gotta make sure that people have medical, especially in America, because a lot of people, if they've got good medical insurance, they won't leave the company because they want that medical insurance. And if you're looking after them with guaranteed pay rises and of course, uh, a, a good culture um, and good holiday, then they're gonna stay. So let's talk about each of these in a little bit more detail. Um, and uh, sorry, let's talk about the other factors that are important. So pay, you've got be competitive, you've got minimal annual pay rise, generous holiday and medical. So from this point, you're now a very, very competitive company. But just because you're paying them well, um, if there isn't a culture fit, um, or if you don't have a good hiring and firing system, then it all collapses anyway. Number one, in order to hire the best employees, you really wanna make sure that you're not just advertising on job sites, but you're paying for the ads. The more eyeballs there are on your advert, the more people you're gonna have apply, and the more people you have apply, the more you can filter out to get the good one. So don't, again, don't cut corners is what I'm saying. If you're looking for a great employee, don't cut corners. You also wanna have filters to weed out the people that don't pay attention. So for example, for one of ours, if you apply for a job, it will say, make sure the headline is in a different colored font. And uh, there's all these little tweaks that we make sure they do just to make sure, sure someone's paying attention to detail. If someone's just copying and pasting CVs or resumes, they're gonna fail with us because we have all these weird tweaks they have to make. But if they've got good attention to detail, they'll get through that first initial round. And some of the things we ask people to do require a little bit of Googling, like it's not easy, right? We'll tell them to embed a video, a very specific video they have to go and find. The more details we require of them, uh, ultimately the better the applicants that we get or the more attention to detail applicants, which is mostly what we want. Next, um, you wanna give people a minor assignment just to prove they care about the job, but make it very clear that you're not trying to get free work out of them, okay? That's not what we're trying to do. So what we do is we'll give somebody a minor assignment, but we wanna make sure that that assignment is less than 10 minutes. So it's something that, again, they've gotta put effort in to do. They know that we're not gonna use it in our company, um, and it takes less than 10 minutes. So it's not really a lot of work. So again, we're just trying to see is somebody willing to go that extra mile to get the job. If they are, then that's gonna make them stand out. Um, and then lastly, one of the best rules I've ever learned about staff is hire slow, fire fast. Really take the time to weed people out, go through the interview process, talk to people, give them tests, and go through that very, very slowly and be very, very particular about who you hire. But in my experience, the minute somebody um, has done something worthy of a warning, you probably wanna start looking to replace them. I'm not saying you're gonna have to, but you really wanna be quick on that trigger finger. In our company, it's very simple. You're gonna get a verbal warning, then you're gonna get a written warning, and then for the next infraction, you're getting fired um, if they all come within, I think it's within six months. So um, you know, so it's, it's a pretty, pretty str uh, strict system that we have here. Uh, we hire slow, we fire fast, but that's because we know we offer a competitive environment. We have full medical, five weeks vacation, guaranteed pay rise every year, and we even do a Christmas bonus. Um, so with all of that, we know we're offering something good, and if somebody's just here to mess around, we want them out because we want to give it to somebody who really cares. The next thing you want to make sure you hire the right talent is a culture match. Now, the easiest way to get a culture match is to know the qualities that make you excellent as a person and that you display daily. So rather than thinking, what kind of culture do I want to create in my company? Think, what kind of culture do I have and build the company around that? Now, if you have some toxic traits that you need to get rid of, then get rid of them before you start building a company because building a company off the back of toxic traits really isn't good. And then when you're in that hiring process, make sure that you tell the staff what the culture is of the company, like what traits you guys follow, and make sure that we only want employees that are willing to fulfill those traits. But it's very important that those traits are not only things the employee agrees with, but they're things that employees would want to have. So I'll give you an example of a really bad trait, which would be working for free because we love the company. That's a very bad trait. It's not something anybody's going to want. You shouldn't want it either. Um, and it's not a hard working ethic. It's actually working inefficiently. Um, I want to share with you the six qualities uh, and cultures that we live by in our company. This is something that every single one of my employees agrees with. We actually created them with the employees um, and they're things that I live by daily. So it's not just, um, you know, this is what we strive for. This is actually who I am. And if you end up either working in my company or if you become a client of ours, maybe someone who joins the Smart Blueprint, you can be sure that myself and all my employees live 
to these six standards because we all believe in them. Number one, do what you say you will and have integrity. At the beginning of this seminar, I made a point of telling you what I was going to teach you. And through the seminar, I'm making sure I deliver on it. I'm trying to give you actual actionable steps that help you get a business started or grow a business or fix a business if you have a problem. I want to make sure you understand the rules to business and that you know how to save yourself from the three biggest issues. And you'll have seen that I fulfill on that promise because that's one of my core qualities. I have integrity. And if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to hold myself to it. Uh, I don't need anybody else to hold myself to it. I'm going to hold myself to it because I follow that value and I believe in it. Number two, we lead with empathy. What that means is we try to, when we initiate a conversation with somebody, we try to leave by, you know, uh, understanding their emotions, understanding where they come from and really trying to help them. Now, that doesn't mean that we stay that way. For example, if I reach out with empathy to help someone and they're really rude, I'm going to react to that. But if I reach out with empathy and somebody reacts accordingly, then I'm going to make sure that I continue to lead with that empathy. In essence, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And as long as, you know, you're not being shady and you're not being aggressive or argumentative and you're actually trying to reach a resolution, I will work a resolution with you and I'll help you in whatever problem you have because I believe it's important for us to be kind and caring towards others. And again, that's something that everyone in my company uh, stands by. Next, no entitlement. We don't believe, no matter who you are in the company, that you're more important than anyone else. That goes the same for me. A good example of that is in our company, uh, we have this rule called stay in your lane. So it means if I disagree with something one of my employees has done, but it's in their department, I'll give them the suggestion, but they don't have to change it. It is just a suggestion. And what I'm trusting is that that person I've put in that place knows their department well enough to hear my suggestion and then make a good choice. Now, if ultimately they didn't listen to my choice and it goes bad, they're going to get a very big, I told you so. Um, and then we might change a standard operating procedure in the company to fix that in the future. But ultimately I let my employees stay in their lane and I have no entitlement. It doesn't matter that I'm a, a higher up employee in the company. I don't use that weight against anybody else and no one else in the company gets to do that either. We have no cynicism. And the way we define that is we highlight solutions, not problems. So you don't just bring up a problem with somebody and talk to them about the problem you bring up a problem with what you propose the solution could be. And actually, we like within our company for people to come up with three different solutions. So you're presenting someone, hey, here's the problem. These are the three solutions I've found. Um, what do you think about any of these? Is there something I've missed? So that way you never bring somebody an open-ended problem. You're always bringing them a couple of solutions as well. And it just creates a, a vibe of positivity and everyone trying to solve things rather than having departments where people are just throwing problems out. Next, we have grow or die. This is a big one for me. We have to always be improving, always leveling ourselves up, always changing the process. Um, the Smart Blueprint is a program. We're in our third uh, official version, uh, so it's third unofficial version, second official version, where the very first Smart Blueprint was great, had a lot of amazing results from it, but I thought of ways to make it better. And of course, business is constantly changing. You want to change with the times. So this version that we're sharing is the latest, most up-to-date, most cutting edge, and we will constantly improve and add new value to it. I mean, in fact, the way we've structured it now is a way that we can constantly add new updated modules to make sure the Smart Blueprint continues to improve. So if you make a decision that you like this culture fit and you want to work with our company as a member of the Smart Blueprint, you can look forward to the fact that we continually update the Smart Blueprint on a regular basis with new updated uh, information, completely uh, included in the price. You pay one price and then you get it forever, all the updates for free. Pretty cool, right? Um, and then lastly is take immediate action. If we say we're going to do something, we don't put it in the diary to do later, we do it straight away. Um, and I think take immediate action is one of my biggest strong points and it's something that, uh, that you know we permeate throughout the company. So that's our culture much. Now, you don't want to steal my six. Instead, what you want to do is sit down and think, who are you? What cultural elements do you embody? Like what what phrases do you live by? Write those down on a piece of paper and then that becomes the culture of your company because ultimately the culture of your company 
is you. And the last one, of course, number four, is killer referrals. We only really hire teams and employees from referrals from people or other companies that we know. The only exception to that, of course, is if we are gonna run an ad for a position, and we'll really only run an ad if we don't know somebody who can refer somebody to us. Um, this is one of the reasons that I make a point to regularly join trainings, join masterminds uh, with other people at a similar level to me in business. The coaches and trainers within the company that I've paid help me level up, but the students of the programs uh, the other business owners are often the ones that help me with referrals because when me and somebody else are both going through a program together, um, you know, we both want to see each other succeed. And so we'll be like, oh, I used this resource. It was really good. Or I tried this resource. It didn't really help me. And those referrals are worth their weight in gold. This is why I recommend something like the Smart Blueprint or whatever program you want is great to join. And I myself am always in at least two or three of these programs at any time. A, so I can level myself up, but B, so I can network with other business owners um, and share referrals and share resources. So these are just three of the rules that all businesses should follow, but they're not the only ones to learn. In fact, I've been running one of my businesses for 17 years and I am still learning and discovering new business rules all the time. And that is part of the game. As new technologies, social media platforms and opportunities appear, new rules come with them. But it doesn't have to be difficult. What if you'd found someone who knew the rules, just like myself, someone who was already winning the game of business, just like we are, and imagine if you could take a blueprint of the rules and systems that they're using from their already successful business and then adapt it for your own idea or business. Does that sound like a smart way to win the game? Let me know. What do you think? Does that sound smart? Because I'm looking for a handful of entrepreneurs who want to borrow our smart business blueprint and use it to develop their own business. So this is the smart blueprint. If you decide to join us in the smart blueprint, or you just want to learn more about it, here's what you're going to get. Number one, you're going to have a business that truly gives you freedom. We're going to teach you how to outsource and hire the right staff, even give you referrals for how we do it without breaking the bank and become more productive and run a business as a side hustle. So one of the things we teach in the smart blueprint is the importance of making sure that you have your bread and butter, which basically makes, means make sure you can pay your bills. And for some people, when they're launching a new business, paying the bills is going to be having a full-time job. And if that's you, that's totally fine. You can run a business as a side hustle and still make it successful. We break down calendar examples and a whole bunch of stuff on how to do that. Uh, the value of that would be $2,000. It's included in the smart blueprint. Next, you gain marketing systems that bring customers to you. So you're going to learn from some of the greatest marketers in the world. We have Rudy Moore, who is the marketer behind Ty Lopez. We have Josue Pena, who's the Instagram specialist that uh, teaches exactly how to generate leads from Instagram um, through an automated method that he created. We have Rachel Miller, who is known as the Facebook expert. Rachel Miller actually teaches Facebook the best way to use their own platform, if you believe it or not. She's one of the experts in the program. And we even have some of the experts from Digital Marketer themselves, which are the, one of the biggest and original digital marketing platforms. So that's all included inside the Smart Blueprint. That'd be a $2,000 value. In fact, I can tell you now, if you hired Rudy Moore to teach you, he charges $50,000 to teach somebody. But he's a close personal friend of mine, and he was willing to come and teach for free inside the Smart Blueprint for you. So you get that for free. Um, you can develop an audience of customers that buy time and time again. We're going to give you systems of marketing that generate revenue on autopilot for just a little bit of effort every single week. Um, and that's a $2,000 value. Uh, again, most people pay a lot more for marketing and sales systems, but you're going to get that. Um, speaking of sales systems, we're going to give you cut and paste sales scripts that convert. These are my sales scripts. I've been paid a lot of money for these. In fact, this same sales script that you're going to get, I used to close a $750,000 deal for one of my clients um, who hired me to help with a negotiation. Uh, and I got paid $100,000 to do that negotiation, but you get the script for free. How cool is that? Um, so you're going to gain time-tested sales scripts that turn leads to cash time and time again 
value $3,000. One of the biggest bonuses that I love that we've added um, is a guy called Travis Sago. He's regarded as one of the world's best copywriters. Um, he has been teaching how to do sales from direct marketing uh, for, since the days of the fax machine. So he would like send people faxes and make money that way. Um, he's going to teach you how to uh, use a system called the phoneless cash machine. This is included inside the smart blueprint. Uh, we licensed his program off of him because we believe it's so good. Uh, you can make sales with a single Google document that converts time and time again. Travis Sago is one of the world's leading sales and copywriters. You get his entire program for free with the smart blueprint value of $2,997. That's actually what he charges for it. Um, you get absolutely all of this um, for a single value today. Uh, you can get the smart blueprint for $1,997 or you can try our payment plan, which is a single payment of $297 and then nine further payments of $297. Um, this comes with a full money back guarantee. What that means is it's for 30 days. If the this program doesn't live up to its expectations in any way, you can have a full refund and you can keep the program. So guys, that means just to put this in perspective, you could just put $297 down now, get the program, and if within 30 days you're like, you know what, this is really crap, we'll give you your money back and you can keep the entire program. So this is the best way that I can do a risk reversal because this puts all the risk on me, right? There is a chance you could scam me. Um, I hope you won't, but there is a chance that you could scam me where you could just pay $297, buy the program, keep it, and then just get a refund. That would be really sucky, but theoretically you could do it. I'm hoping that you're an honorable person uh, and that you're going to buy it and be like, this is totally worth it. I'm definitely going to make more than $2,000 or $3,000 if you do the, uh, the payment plan and I'm going to do it. So that's it. That's the Smart Blueprint. I'd love to see you in it. If you want to get the Smart Blueprint or if you just want to learn more about it, you can text sign me up to plus one eight one eight four four one eight zero zero two. Just text sign me up to plus one eight one eight four four one eight zero zero two and I'll get you signed up. Or if you want, you can just um, say, I'd like to learn more and text that to plus one eight one eight four four one eight zero zero two and somebody will give you a phone call. You get an actual phone call with a real human, not robot, um, and a, a real American human, in fact. Uh, so we're not even outsourcing it to another country. You can talk to an actual person. Just talk about the program, maybe learn a bit more. Um, we can even give you a tour of the inside of it if you want to see how many lessons you get you'll be blown away by how much content you get i really think it's the most content rich business program that exists so there we go now if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business then the absolute best place to start is with my smart blueprint ebook over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.